Hello and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis, and we are here to unpack the MLB trade deadline as much as we possibly can with all of the information we have at the moment with Chris Schweitzer of the Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. He's been on the show a number of times. One of the better baseball people I know can really help unpack the situation. A lot of teams are in the mix. A lot of trades already happening. Still some things that could happen. The Cubs have yet to really begin their blow up. So lots to unpack. But before I get to the conversation with Chris, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. Number of ways you can do that. You can join the community, follow along on social media, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you see the show, bump it, help other people find it. On top of that, once you are part on the social media side of things, Follow the show's feed on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. The show is available on all of the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. If it is not on a podcasting platform you use, please slide me a DM. I can get the RSS feed up in about five minutes. It's not hard at all. If you are using Apple Podcasts, you do have a little bit of an extra responsibility. Apple Podcasts is the most prevalent one because more people have iPhones and everybody gets Apple Podcasts on their phone pre-downloaded. So if you are using Apple Podcasts to listen to the show, please go to the show's homepage, scroll down to the bottom. There are five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. That's leaving a five-star review. Beneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you have the extra minute, please leave a written review. That stuff helps support your content creators we all bust our asses we're trying to help make you guys a little bit smarter give you some entertainment all of that spiel said mlb trade deadline is always very exciting baseball is artificially competitive because so many teams make the playoffs a lot of teams think they're in the mix even though they aren't you know like the yankees so they're more inclined to make trades then there are always at least seven or eight teams that have no hope of making the playoffs so you know they're going to be sellers coming into the season so there's always a lot of variables up in the air this time of year we're a little bit less then 24 hours away i think it's four o'clock tomorrow so 22 hours away from now we will have the trade deadline lots of players already on the move adam frazier a couple weeks ago joey gallo this morning max scherzer to the padres looks like it's getting towards the finish line if ken rosenthal is reporting it that means it's probably pretty close there are just some things to iron out unless scherzer says no he could veto it and then we're back to square one the dodgers acquired danny duffy while i was editing the podcast so things are happening I hope this show gives you a little bit of a better idea about the baseball trade deadline. I'll see you guys in one second with Chris. And with that, making, I think, his sixth or seventh appearance on the show, we are racking up the quantity here with Chris Schweitzer to talk about baseball. So, First of all, as we were getting this together today, I asked you the other day when we went to the Met game, we've had a few moves come through the wire. The Max Scherzer to the Padres deal should be getting finalized. I still see I'm watching the Phillies and Nationals game right now, and they keep cutting to him sitting in the dugout. So he hasn't left yet, but that's on the horizon. Joey Gallo to the Yankees, a couple other moves. But how are we doing, Chris? Doing pretty good. Uh, this is probably my favorite time of the baseball year. I love the trade deadline. 
uh, it's very exciting and it's it's whether your team's a buyer or a seller I think it's a lot of fun um, thankfully the Mets are buyers this year well not really yet but we assume they're going to be uh so yeah i mean i just i like any trades but it's it's always a lot more fun it's your team as well so looking forward so let's start here because this is how i like to do um episodes centered around transactions is the overarching philosophy so i talked about it a little bit with hockey and free agency of you want to be using free agency to fill luxury problems not your fundamental needs if you are looking for things in hockey and free agency to fill a gaping void on your team more than likely you are going to overpay for something to be disappointed so in terms of the baseball trade deadline we obviously break it up into buyers and sellers i think i have here three types of teams that buy i have the favorite trying to shore themselves up which is what the padres have done here they've already got adam frazier it looks like max scherzer is going to happen those are arguably the two biggest moves of the deadline so far then you have what the yankees are which are desperate so you need to make a move to try and stay in the playoff race and the last i have here are the white Sox and mets where you're a decent team but you definitely need reinforcements to keep up what you did in the first half yeah, I, I mean that's the those those are really the the, the three big groups. Um, you know, it, it's there's really never like, I mean everybody every team should be involved in some some way, shape, or form at the deadline. Like if you're if you're stagnant at the deadline, you're just like you're never gonna get any better. You have to either if you're a seller, you have to sell to improve your team in the future. If you're a buyer, you have to you have to buy to improve your team right now. Like if you're if you're if you're just not doing anything then everybody else is is jumping ahead of you like even the teams that are making themselves worse right now they're getting better in the future and you're not doing anything so the, the main thing is really just being being active um is certainly i think probably the, the biggest biggest thing to do at the deadline I mean, you brought it up the other night in our group chat with Darren when we were talking about the Yankees, that the Yankees have had really good teams over the year, and they never did what the Padres are doing, where they considered themselves a favorite and added on to what they already had. They made some secondary moves, got some smaller pieces, but they never went out and got the best player available. I know a couple years ago, they were trying to get Grinky. He ended up in Houston, Verlander, same thing. The Yankees ended up going out and getting their ace in free agency, but... At some point when you're one of those teams that's close you gotta you can't take chances especially in a year like this where it seems like it's going to come down to the dodgers and the padres as the two best teams if you're not adding to keep up with what the dodgers might do or what the dodgers already are you're going to be behind the eight ball just purely in talent by the time you get to a playoff series yeah no, like you said the, the yankees they in 2017 and 2019 they it was pretty much them uh, it was pretty much them and Houston as like the two, the two like main teams in the American league those years. And both of those years, I'm pretty sure they, they lost in uh, they lost in the ALCS because they didn't like, they had a great team. I mean, 20, what, 2019, they won 103 games. They yeah. won 103 games. They, the, the Houston Astros won 107. So it was like, I mean, the twins won 101, but like it, it was the twins in the AL central. <laughs> And the Yankees beat up on them anyways. We kind of figured that would happen, but like they lost to the Astros because they didn't they didn't do enough. Like like you said, like I said, they like they they I don't know I don't know what like Cashman Brian Cashman's a great GM. He's been in the job for twenty plus years, and they're oh, like consistently the Yankees are a competitive baseball team. So like that alone makes him like a great general manager and like executive. But especially recently, he has 
seemingly been afraid to trade prospects to make that one move. And like, normally you don't like, I don't think you should make like, you, you don't want to like get too crazy and make like, make an emotional move, but like they had clear holes on a very good team. And, you know, they like, they, like they were, they were afraid to trade Clint Frazier when they had no need for Clint Frazier. Yeah. Like the only reason they needed Clint Frazier this year is because everybody got hurt. Like they had no need for Clint Frazier. They still wouldn't trade him for a pitcher, which they desperate. I mean, CC Zabathia was like a 35 year old CC Zabathia where they were running them out there as their second best pitcher every, like every five days. Like he was starting games in the playoffs and like he's like CC is great, but you need something better than that. Like you need, they needed a better rotation than they had for for about three or four years, and they just they failed to address it every every trade deadline. So, like you know, if you if you're in the position of the Yankees, then you have to go out and you have to be aggressive. You have to at least the Yankees, the position they were in this year, not so much. But you know, years past, like I said, if you're in that position, you have to go out and like you said, that's what the Padres are doing. They they smell blood in the water. They're like, this is our one of our best. Like this is the best shot we're gonna have, maybe for a while. This is the best shot we've had in years. Let's not let this go away. Like let's squander this this opportunity. Let's go out and make a big move, make a big splash. And you know, kudos to the Padres for that. Definitely, definitely. And then on the flip side of the coin, we have the when to sell. So I have your window is closed. You're the Cubs. You won your championship already. You kind of have to retool and start over. I have the Nationals, which is a compilation of situational factors where you're in a tougher division. You have guys on expiring contracts that are a little bit older. You won your World Series as well. But in a normal year, you figure the Nationals are probably a little bit better than they are right now. And they probably hang on to Scherzer and try and compete down the stretch. And then lastly, I have the the teams that are churning in place, like the Royals, the Rangers, Detroit, those teams that are going, they know they're rebuilding coming into the year. So they'll sell off anything they have to just deepen their prospect pool. Yeah, the the, the really bad teams, like you said, I mean, they just, they, they know they're going to be bad and pretty much anybody, anybody that's expiring or is going to be expiring in a year or two and you know you're not going to be able to bring them in long term or they just, they just don't fit into your long term plans just sell them off as quick as you can because it, the 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 biggest the biggest factor of value in a baseball trade is team control and how yep. much control that player has left and so great players on an expiring deal will go for less than good players with a year or two of team control left like a, a guy a guy with a year and a half left before he's a free agent will go for more a good guy with a year and a half left before he's a free agent will go for more than a great guy that's going to be a free agent in 2 months especially yeah, for a team that, you know, maybe won't, shouldn't be re-signed. Oh, I say that, and then whatever the hell the A's did the other day, but that's an anomaly. So generally, though, generally the expiring players always go for less because the king, like I said, the king in value in a baseball trade is is team control and how much, how much time is left on that player's contract. Yeah, to your point, if we see a, a Barrios trade from the Twins, he will probably go for than what Max Scherzer goes for because he has next year on his team control, yes. under team control, yes. yeah. So uh, uh, just one last thing on this general overarching philosophy here, because baseball is kind of in this weird place right now with the extra, the two wild cards where a lot more teams get to stay in the mix longer. It also seems like teams are more inclined to make kind of these funky trades to stay in the mix. Like Gallo does have team control going forward here, but for all intents and purposes, the Yankees would need a miraculous second half to get back in the mix. I mean, they're only like three or four back in the wild card, but they got slaughtered today. Cole looked horrendous. And 
they're only trotting out basically two out of five starters who kind of have been decent all year. So you're one of those teams that's kind of, you're throwing shit. I don't want to say throwing shit at the wall because the Yankees could easily go on a good second half here and get back into the mix, but it kind of seems like you're making decisions emotionally as opposed to rationally. And you're not thinking about the, well, we have a really steep hole here and the teams that are in front of us, we're going to have a really hard time catching. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the the Mariners are kind of in a similar spot where, like, yeah, both of those teams, the division is pretty much out the window. Like, the Yankees are going to be after after today. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Baseball Reference has updated the the standings yet, but they're going to be about nine nine and a half games back of uh, of Boston at the end of today. They're going to be now three games back of or three and a half games back of Tampa in second place. There's still there's still going to be a game up on Toronto, but. You know, and even though they're only they're only going to be three back of the wild card, I mean, it, it, it's still tough. And, like, even then, for a team like the Yankees, who you assume is going to be able to compete next year and who's been to the playoffs a lot, like, you don't want to sell too much or buy too much or, you know, sell too much of your future just for a wild card berth. Like, Seattle, yeah. I could see why they're doing it. The Mariners haven't made the postseason since, what, like 2002? You know, yeah. so I can understand maybe why Seattle's got to do it because they just like you just want to get there. Like just getting to the postseason means a lot more for Seattle than it does to the Yankees. Exactly. But if the Yankees get to the wild card game, that's a disappointing season for them. You know, especially if they if they're there. You know, they're probably gonna. I mean, there's like I said, they're certainly not gonna win the division. Probably gonna end up being behind. It'll probably be a wild card game against Tampa Bay if they get to that point. And Tampa's been pretty good against them the last couple of years. So, you know, of course. I, I was going to say, you know, of course, if you get to a, a one-game playoff and you have Garrett Cole on the mound, if you if you can work it out like that, you feel pretty <laughs> good. But Cole did get kind of knocked around by the race today. Um, but, yeah, like, it just it just doesn't mean as much, you know. And that's, like you said, the Gallo, he is under contract the next year, so it does help them more. But you, you would assume – or if, they, if they're going to go for a rental, it's going to be a guy they also envision themselves as signing long-term, like maybe a Trevor Story as well. You know, you don't want to – they don't want to have to be buying too much – for rentals that they don't plan on keeping beyond this season. Okay. So you brought up the Gallo trade. I brought it up. So the other ones that have already happened that have kind of jumped out at me, I still don't exactly understand why the A's traded Jesus Lazardo to the Marlins for an expiring guy. I mean, I, I trust what the A's do. They are really good at evaluating talent, especially their own talent and getting away from a guy a year too early as opposed to a year too late. But I feel like that trade doesn't make a ton of sense for Oakland. It, it really doesn't. And like I said this on my show yesterday, if, if like, then like you said too, I generally trust the A's. They're, they're one of the teams where it's like a move they make, even if it seems a little odd, you're like, I, they're the people that run that team are generally pretty smart. So you kind of have to wait and see um, the, the full, I get to wait, you know, wait and see exactly how the trade plays out, you know, over time to really get a, a feel for whether they won or lost this trade. Um, and it just even like even if like it just like no on no level does this trade make a lot of sense because even like Lozano has been awful this year. There's no doubt about it. He's been awful. Yeah. He's a six eight six point eight seven ERA this year. He's been terrible. But he's twenty three years old and he's two years removed from being a top twenty prospect in all of baseball. So like he obviously has a ton of talent um, that a lot of people have seen for a while now. And you know the fact that they just gave up on him at this point is is astonishing and like okay so even if even if they 
like the people in the A's, they think his value is only going to go down from here. We don't think that if we hold on to him any longer, we're going to be able to get more than him for right now. And even if you, they really love Starling Marte and they think Starling Marte is our guy. He, th- we think he's the guy that can take us to the next level. And he's the guy that can get us to the postseason and to a world series. Those are both fair things to assume. That's fine. But the, the value that Lazardo has as a, as a 23 year old with five years of team control left is much higher than Starling Marte with two, three months left on his deal. And we and know Oakland's the not going to keep him. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's like, we, we know for a fact, Oakland is, there's no chance they're going to keep him. And there's no chance they're going to resign him, Sonny Marte long-term. So he's going to be a free agent. They're getting two, three months out of him at most. And they give up five years of Lazardo for that. So like, like I said, if you, if they don't like Lazardo, they really like Marte, then why not get more out of Miami? Like Miami are obviously selling like an hour later, they traded Yimmy Garcia, their closer to Houston. Why yeah. couldn't you package in Yimmy Garcia? Why couldn't they have also asked for Miguel Rojas because they have gotten next to nothing. The A's have. They've got next to nothing out of Elvis Andrews this season. So, like, yeah. why not ask for Miguel Ross, who's been a, a pretty productive shortstop for a couple of years now, to, to be fair to him and, to, you know, to, to, to put a little bit of respect on his name. Like, he's been pretty productive for a couple of years and certainly better than whatever they've gotten out of Elvis Andrews. Or you get another relief pitcher, and you can never really have enough relief pitchers. No. Garcia yeah. has been pretty good this year. So, like, at the very least, why not get more for him out of that? If those are your things. So then, but then also, like, they probably, like I said it too, like they probably could have used Lazardo as a centerpiece in a trade for somebody who has team control, control. after the season. So like they could have traded, they could have traded him for Barrios. They could have traded him for Trey Turner. Trey Turner's on the block now. Trey Turner to the A's, that would have been great. Or, or you know, Whit Merrifield as well. And like, and even in those situations, it's like if you, you bring him, you, you trade Lazardo, obviously with something else for those guys, and then you decide you don't want to keep them, you're not going to bring them back. So then you trade them in the offseason and you recoup some of that value. Like it just feel like I feel like they could have gone so many different ways, Oakland. They could have gone so many different routes, like in regards to trading Jesus Lazardo. And I feel like they took the worst one, like just trading him straight up for a rental bat. It just seems like horrible mismanagement of assets. That's in my, in my opinion. So the Padres went out and got Adam Frazier from the Pirates. Not a particularly expensive package they sensed. Mm -hmm. Some decent prospects, but nothing insane. Uh, They moved Cronenworth to first. You're stuck with Hosmer on the bench, but we know they've been trying to move him. Aside from just, you know, the rich getting richer, anything else jump out about the Padres saying, all right, we want another contact hitter in our lineup to you? Not really. I mean... You know, the AJ Preller is without a doubt one of the most aggressive GMs, you know, especially in baseball. It's either him or DePoto. Like yeah. the amount of trades they made. Like when Preller first came in was when the Padres first made that initial push and they traded for the Uptons and they traded for Kimbrell and they traded for who they traded for a bunch of guys. It didn't work out. They sold everything. And that's what led them to this point where they, you know, they got Tatis from James Shields. Um, they, you know, they got a ton of prospects from, from all those guys they traded away after they kind of blew it up. And then we saw it again this offseason. Like he kind of, he kind of, after, after those, the initial flurry when he bought, and then when he sold off all the guys he bought when it didn't work out for him, he kind of stayed stagnant for a couple of years. And then this offseason, he was like, our team's good now. I have a chance to pounce. And then we saw he made, they, they traded for you Darvish. They traded for Blake Snell. They traded for Clevenger last year. Like they made a bunch of trades. And that's what AJ Preller is. He's just, he's an extremely aggressive general manager they have a deep prospect pool and you know even though they're one of probably the five best teams in baseball they're third in their division 
So, you know, you figured they were going to be aggressive. It's an aggressive GM with a really good young team. Um, and, you know, like I said, they have a, they have a deep prospect pool, which in all reality, they really haven't touched yet. I mean, the only yeah. big prospect they've traded in any of their moves was Luis Patino and Blake Snell's probably been the worst, the worst yeah. trade they've made. Like, I mean, he's been the worst acquisition they've had. Darvish has been pretty good. Uh, Musgrove has been great, you know. Um, so Tommy Pham's been good when they brought him a couple years ago. Like, they've made a lot of moves. And the only guy, you know, Blake Snell's been the only bad one so far. So it, it doesn't surprise me too much. It, it like... I didn't. I, I don't know if I would have guessed Frazier going there because, like you said, they the Padres have a pretty crowded infield, um, even before they brought in Frazier. But you know, it, it's I it can never really be shocked by something AJ Preller does because he, like I said, he's an extremely extremely aggressive general manager. So there's also Brad Hand to Toronto, Ryan Tapera to the White Sox, just playoff teams or teams that think they're in the mix showing up their bullpen to Chris's point. You can never have enough relievers. And I think that's a good way to transition this conversation to looking ahead to what's still out there. We know the Cubs are going to blow it up, and we've heard them link to, their assets linked to a bunch of different places. I know a lot of people are trying to will Rizzo back to the Red Sox into existence. I've seen Chris Bryant linked to the Giants and to the Mets at various points. Kimbrell has been linked to the Red Sox, to Houston, to the A's. They're, they have the most plentiful team of assets that other teams could poach from. What asset do you think is the best there? Is it Kimbrell just because he's uh, he's definitely the best reliever on the market? Or is it one of the position players because those are impact bats if they're better in a better situation? I think I think after, like, we're assuming it seems like Scherz is going to end up going to San Diego. Yeah. I would probably put my, my money at this point, the biggest impact player, probably Kimbrell. Um, he's just been, like, obviously as a closer – you have far less impact on the general aspect of a game than like a position player. You know, you only pitch one inning usually, you know, maybe three times a week, um, you know, three, four times a week at most. Um, so overall effect on the game isn't necessarily huge, but Kimbrell, I think without a doubt has been the best player of the available, like trade deadline guys right now this season. Um, yeah. You know, like, like Bryant, he's had, he's had a little bit, he's been, he's actually been very, very good this year. He's had bounce back very well. Um, but you know, a little bit of ups and downs, Javi Baez still has his struggles, um, you know, with, with strikeouts, Trevor story has kind of, it's been a, a not typical Trevor story season, although I don't necessarily blame it all on him. He's kind of just with a bunch of dudes on, on Colorado, <laughs> like after they traded Arenado, there's really nobody else. Like I like Ryan McMahon. He's a decent bat. Uh, CJ Crohn's had an okay year. Like Tapia, Ronald Tapia has a, you know, he's a decent average. Like Blackman's okay. But like, there's really nobody in that lineup that scares you outside <laughs> yeah. of Trevor's story. So like, obviously nobody's going to pitch to him if there's nobody, he has no protection. So I don't really blame that on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's after, after Scherzer comes off the board, I think it's probably Craig Kimbrell because he's been the best, like he's been, he's, he's been Craig Kimbrell of old. Like he's been Braves, yeah. Red Sox, Craig Kimbrell this year, not, first two years of Cubs Craig Kimbrell like he's been he's been dominant this season so I think whatever team gets him they're getting they're getting a shutdown closer you know you know maybe the best closer in baseball um at this current moment so I, I think he's probably the biggest impact on, on the market right now 
So do you think the Cubs would be better off trying to bundle some of these assets together into one larger return or pawning them all off individually? Do you, what do you think would get a better return? Would you get more quality if you were to package multiple guys together or would you be better off just going volume and say each guy is individual, you can give us what you want even if we're trading to the same team. We want different things for each guy. Generally, I think it's better to trade trade guys separately um you you just get more because i mean like these guys are almost like draft picks in other sports where it's like they're kind of like you you can scout them and you you think you know what they're gonna do but you really don't know like you never know until they get up to the majors and you know they they start to perform and they don't so they're kind of all crapshoots i mean obviously there's there's it's calculated risks and like you know you have better feelings about some guys and others some guys you know you aren't going to be good but Generally, I think it, it, it's better to just to trade them separately. You get more assets. Um, the Cubs, however, they have so many guys they can trade that they probably like. It, I don't think it necessarily be a bad thing in order to 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 package a couple of them together. And since they're all expiring, you know, maybe maybe it would be smart to just like package two of them together. You know, it, they, like they have like four or five guys, maybe even six guys that they can end up moving before tomorrow. Um, so you know or by the end of the deadline. So if they got to package two of them together to get like one really good prospect, one really good return, um, then I, I don't think that necessarily be bad for them just because of how much, how much they have. But generally I think it's, it's a better idea to, to kind of separate these moves and get more, more volume than anything. Gotcha. I mean, that's what we saw with the Gallo trade. The Rangers got four guys, three of them are, these guys will probably be big leaguers in the field, and that one is a pitcher who can probably be a back-of-the-rotation guy. That That's the kind of thing where you're going to see a lot of, because yeah. you, you and I have talked about it a lot over the last few weeks in regards to the Mets, is you don't want to give up a good prospect for someone you're only going to have on your team for three months. There's just yeah. That used to be the case in baseball where that would happen, but the markets have changed, especially because, like Chris said in the opening segment, there is so much more importance on the team control now as opposed to the other things which used to be considered because the baseball's economy has changed dramatically in the last 10 years where teams, even teams like the Yankees have been a lot more cost conscious because they're trying to not pay that luxury tax. So yeah. it makes it, it has changed the way the trade deadline works, but I don't think it's any less exciting there. There's all the baseball trade deadline always has juice because there are always so many teams in the mix that could buy. You know, it's without a doubt the most exciting trade deadline of in, in any of the sports. None of the other sports. Either. I mean, the NFL trade, I don't think anybody cares about the NFL <laughs> trade deadline. Yeah. The NBA sometimes has a couple of decent moves. The NHL sometimes, you know, something a little spicy. But generally speaking, they're all pretty they – all, they all pale in comparison to the MLB trade line because MLB trade line there is just – it's a flurry of moves from, you know, starting about 10 days before before whatever the deadline date is all the way up to – you know four o'clock on on you know this this year july 30th so um it's it's a lot of fun and like you said there's always so many teams in there with so many teams that are you know are out of it that trying to make impact quickly and so it's it's a lot of fun so hopefully hopefully we see something big soon 
So, like we said, the Cubs' assets are probably the best that's left that's still out there. Maybe Jose Barrios, if he's actually available. I think Trevor Story's probably a little bit below those two guys, below Kimbrell and uh, Barrios. But still, Trevor Story, impact guy. I know the Yankees have been linked to him a lot. Where do you think makes the most sense for Trevor Story? Because I keep seeing the Yankees and the, and the Athletics. Those are the two teams I keep seeing pretty consistently. It would... It, is being interested in him those two teams probably make the most sense um mm-hmm. they both have out of the teams that are that are legit like in legit contention this year they they easily have the biggest holes at shortstop um pretty much every other team like i said in the mix has their shortstop situation pretty much figured out for the most part um you know i i, I mean like Didi gregorius hasn't been great for philly but they need they don't need bats, Philly. They need, you know, pitching and relief pitching. So the only other team that has some kind of hole at shortstop, like everybody else has a star shortstop. Like Brandon Crawford was an all-star this year. Trent Tatis in, in San Diego. Seager's been hurt all year, but Chris Taylor's been phenomenal filling in. Adam, Willie Adamas has been great for Milwaukee. Like it's really just the A's and the Yankees that have a hole at shortstop. Um, he's also been linked to the Mets a little bit. Obviously, Evelyn Dorr locked up for 10 years. Um, he is hurt right now, but you know, I know there are a couple teams that have been interesting in moving, moving story around like second or third base, but I, I feel like he probably wants to stay at shortstop. He's probably going to stay at shortstop. And yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's gotta be either the A's or the Yankees. They have the two biggest needs. You know, the, the Yankees just have a horrible shortstop defense, which story is very good at. Um, and then the A's just had nothing out of Elvis Andrews. So probably the, those are, those are easily the two, the two biggest spots for him, I think. So now that we've kind of, set the scene for set the deadline we got to talk about the Mets here because the Mets have been linked to a ton of stuff I mean they've been linked to Chris Bryant going back to December of last year we knew coming into this year the Cubs were probably going to blow it up and the Mets aside from Rich Hill have been patient they're waiting for the market to develop and they've been linked to a bunch of different guys guys who fill the same need so you know the Mets are obviously out there I know I saw like an hour or two ago a tweet from one of the daily news beat reporters who said that Steve Cohen's been talking with Sandy and with uh, Zach Scott to make this happen to kind of get the ball rolling because you know the deadline is tomorrow how are you feeling about the Mets first of all in terms of they definitely need to add things so how are you feeling in terms of that and how are you feeling in terms of how they their name has been in the rumor mill? Well, so far, I'm um as of this moment, as we're currently speaking, I'm frustrated with the Mets because, like you said, they've been. I think patient is it's probably the most accurate way to describe it, but it's also you know it just is an emotional as being emotional. It's it's I think it's a nice way to describe it for them um, mm-hmm. because like we we see all these other teams making moves and. Like, obviously, they're not going to get everybody. And, you know, they, they don't have – they have – their farm system is very top-heavy. Um, they don't have a ton of depth, but they do have a lot of talent up top. So, you, you don't necessarily want to trade a lot of that top talent. Um, but, like, this team clearly has – like, they have needs. clear holes. Yes, they have – they have very clearly have, like, glaring needs that they have to address if they want to go anywhere this season. And it's not like – they're on the fringe and you're like, all right, well, if they don't end up buying anybody, they just really don't think they, they, they can have enough to, you know, to, to make up whatever ground they're behind. Like they're, they're in first place. They've been in first place for almost three months now. Like they're like, this is their division to lose. And they've been awful. They've yeah. like not been good. And it's their division to lose. So they have to do something because 
I mean, we've been saying it all year, like Atlanta can't be bad forever. And like Philly can't be bad forever. And they've still been bad pretty much forever. Yeah. But like, you, like e- even if Philly and Atlanta continue to stay bad forever and the Mets just like limp their way to an least title, like they're not going anywhere in the postseason yeah. with this team because they, this, this lineup does not score enough runs. The pitching, however, however phenomenal it has been so far this season, you cannot expect it to just continue to be. I mean, Tyron Walker's already shown signs of regression, and like I don't think he's as bad as his last three starts, but also I also don't think he's as good as his first half. Be like it was just yeah. wasn't realistic to expect that out of him in the first half. Stroman Same thing with like Stroman. Yeah, yeah. Stroman at least bounced back in his last couple of starts, yeah. so that's good to see. Um, but again, like, and the thing was like a lot of these guys. Like this is this is the most innings Tywan Walker stolen since 2017. It's like obviously yeah. he's showing signs of wear. You know, saying Strowman didn't pitch at all last year. Degrom is is constantly getting hurt. You know, Tyler McGill is already over his his you know career high of of innings in a season. So like, a lot of these guys, they haven't had a lot of work, and like this, they're they're experiencing a lot a lot bigger workload this season than they have for a number of years. So like, they're gonna start to break down, and the bats are gonna have to step up and. Like I said, they have to do something. So, like, I want, I'm frustrated that they haven't done something yet. I'm assuming by tomorrow at five o'clock, by the time the trade deadline or four o'clock, by the time the trade deadline's over and done with, like, they're going to make moves and I'm going to be satisfied with what they did. But, like, I would have liked to have seen something already. And, like you said, it seems like Cohen has to, like, is trying to, like, push them into making a move, which I don't know why they're so stagnant. Because, like I said, they, they, like, they have clear holes. Like, they, this team is clearly not good enough to to go anywhere in the postseason this year without without bringing in some help so i'm frustrated they haven't done anything yet i'm assuming it's going to get better but i like i said i, I think they, they really have to like they, they have to start doing something. they have to start getting the ball rolling because eventually all these guys are going to be gone and you don't want to get you know get stuck empty-handed of you mentioned the prospect pool being particularly top heavy who do you not want to see the mets move in a trade because we, we, you know we know a few of the names you know you know Ginn, you know ronnie mauricio you know brett Beatty, not brent Beatty, the Beatty. there's a few guys in the minors who can the mets not afford to move here for a rental um francisco alvarez is yeah completely off limits i mean he's the top prospect he's a thousand percent off limits in any in any deal unless unless they're i mean i honestly i think he's completely off limits i don't there's nobody that's like realistically available right now that i would trade him for Mauricio, would you have done that for scherzer if you could have no, gotten scherzer yeah no nah, even scherzer because he's a rental and like yeah I, I just, and even if they re-sign him he's what 35 years old like mm. you know it just, I don't know. It, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been worth it for me. Mauricio, only if it's for Barrios, and only mm-hmm. if it's like he's the only top guy, top five or six guy they're giving up for Barrios, then I can deal with it. Like I, I like Mauricio a lot. Um, I think he's gonna be good, but he does have kind of no clear path to to playing in this team. But I mean, he's still a year or two away. But like even when he comes up, the 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 infield is already pretty crowded for the Mets so he doesn't have like a clear spot to play on this team um so I would be upset if they traded him if it was the right move but like if they end up trading him for a rental that they don't keep that's poor decision making but they end up getting getting it for better trading for Barrios like I live with that Beatty I mean I don't really want to trade Beatty either I mean most of these guys I it it depends on who they trade for like Mm -hmm. the Alvarez Mauricio Beatty and I think Crow Arm, Pete Crow Armstrong. I don't want to trade for a rental. If you're trading one of those guys, it's got to be for Berrios or somebody else who has who has control left. Otherwise, I think those guys are all off limits. Um, Alvarez is off limits no matter what. Um, 
you know, and then outside of that, like I would be okay with trading JT, JT Jin. Like I think you could trade him. Kalili, you trade him. Vientos, like anybody else, I don't care. Like send them off. You need you need something now. Anybody else, you can you can get rid of. It's it's perfectly fine with me. I think I think Alvarez is the only completely untouchable. And then Mauricio Beatty and Crow Armstrong, they don't. I just wouldn't trade for a rental. But otherwise, otherwise they're on the table. I do think we Met fans need to be a bit realistic here that if DeGrom is going to keep having these nagging arm injuries, that they're not going anywhere if DeGrom isn't healthy. And the Mets need to be realistic in using that as part of their consideration here, where if they think he only needs another couple of days, one rehab start, and he's good to go, and we think we're good, okay, go out and add someone. But like we talked about earlier, if you don't think he's going to be able to play in the playoffs, there's no point in adding anyone because you're not winning anything if you don't have a healthy DeGrom. Yeah, at least don't add anybody. Like, don't give up anything too significant. Like, if yeah. you want to buy, if you want to make, if you want to make a couple small additions, like, be my guest. But don't don't go out and trade one of these prospects. Don't go out and trade, you know, one of these top prospects. Don't go out and make make a big splash and trying to, you know, fill a lot of holes or try to replace DeGrom or whatever. Like, it's not going to work, so... You know, you got to make moves. You got to help the team out in some way, but you did like, don't, don't go over the top because like you said, without the Grom, this team, this team's not going anywhere in the postseason. Even if, even if they're, they're still able to limp their way to an NLE's title, you know, they're not going anywhere in the postseason without Jacob DeGrom. I mean, the Mets are 23 and 22 in their last 45 games. They have been thoroughly mediocre since early june so this isn't just like you know they've had a dry spell here it's they haven't been able to score runs all year and the pitching is not nearly as as good as it was in the first half and it's unrealistic to expect that from the rotation and the bullpen and the bullpen has been a pleasant surprise this year because i came into this year pretty confident that the bullpen was going to be the weak link of the three parts because usually the mets you get two out of three in the same season either the rotation and the bullpen and good and the starters are bad or another configuration of that and right now it seems like the bullpen is the only part of that tripod holding up it's part of the deal yeah i mean this the starting pitching has been has been good this year i think they've gotten more out of it than at least out of, out of some of the back end guys that yeah. you could have hoped for i mean especially tyler mcgill he's been yeah. he's been great like i don't know where they are right now if tyler mcgill hasn't come up and been phenomenal for them i don't i don't think they're in first place um but yeah, I mean the, the lineup has done absolutely nothing. They're they're damn near the worst lineup in baseball, or at, you know at least statistics wise. Yeah, um, they might even be the the worst the worst offense in baseball. They're, they have the worst OPS against lefties in baseball. I mean, and it's crazy because like you put a lineup out there with with you know Lindor and Nimmo and Alonzo and McNeil and Conforto, and you know granted a lot of those guys have been hurt for a large chunk of the season, but like even then, like Pilar and VR, you know like Peraza when he when he played a little bit like Dom Smith you know you would suit like at least they're going to be better than the Diamondbacks or better than the yeah. Pirates or better than the Rangers like I mean come on the, the fact that they've been the worst offense in baseball especially with a lineup that's as good as it is on paper it is it's honestly like it, it's honestly embarrassing like it, I, I'm like I don't know I've been saying it for a while I think they, they need to make a trade for bat not only like they need to make a trade for bat that actually is going to play but also somebody that's going to like kind of kick a lot of these guys in the ass and be like oh crap like if i don't start to hit i'm going to get benched and like some of these guys need it especially michael conforto like yeah he'll start to turn it around alonzo's been on fire since the break dom smith's been okay um but like conforto especially going into a contract year you know only a few a few months removed from him asking for 200 mil of the mets 
Like he has been disgustingly bad this year. So like he he needs to he needs he needs a kick in the ass for sure. Um, you know, like they 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 they, they sh- this offense should not be as bad as it is. I and mean, like you said, they they're the ones that without a doubt are not holding up their end of the bargain. Like on paper, this lineup should have been great, and they've they've just been they've been awful. So of the two we've heard, we've heard pretty consistently that the Mets have looked at John Gray and Story together and Zach Davies and then either Javi Baez and Chris Bryant together. Which of those two is more enticing to you? Uh, Story and Gray are, are – it's definitely a better package. Um, I think with that, I, like, John Gray is – this year he's better than Zach Davies. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's not really up for debate. And – Although Chris Bryant's been better, he's been better than Trevor Story at the plate. Um, I, I I think I would still opt for the Trevor Story John Gray route. Um, it doesn't seem. I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know like what's more likely for the Mets right now because, like you said, they've been linked with like everybody. They yeah. keep, they, they're getting heavily linked with Barrios. They're getting heavily linked with Baez, with Bryant, with Davies, with Story, with John Gray. Like all these guys they're linked with, and then they haven't done anything yet. So I really don't know what to expect. Like I see one report, I'm like, oh, they're going to go the Baez, Baez, Davies route. And I see another report that they really like Trevor Story. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're going to go the Trevor Story route. I really don't know. But if I just had to pick which one I like more, I'd probably go Trevor Story, John Gray. I think, I think that's the better duo to get. I think that helps them more. On the bright side, they can't trade for Jay Bruce a third time at the trade deadline. We got that going for us. Todd Frazier's tied up at the Olympics. He's in Tokyo. You can't trade for him. That's fantastic. You, news. Not yet. You, you you do not you do not count Sandy Alderson getting Todd <laughs> Frazier out of the mix. Him coming back from the Olympics and getting signed to a major league contract. Some team will give him a major league contract after the Olympics. Probably. I don't know who, but someone will. Someone will. All right, Chris. Before I get you out of here. I asked you this the last time I had you on. I'm going to ask again. Do you think the Mets are still going to win the division? Um, you asked me it the last time, and the last time I said yes for the first time. I think yes. The first few times you had me on, mostly before the season and the begin- very beginning of the season, I was still maintaining the fact that I thought the Braves were going to win. Last time you had me on, I said, I think it's the Mets are going to win it. And they started to play like crap, and I got a little nervous. I was like, of course, right when I think they're going to win, yeah. they go, nope. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it. So I still think they're going to win. Um, do you think that's more so that they're going to make a move and it's going to bolster them or it's just that the Phillies and Braves are that flawed of baseball teams? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think the last few years, I don't, I was trying to look up the exact stat earlier. I couldn't find it. I was trying to find their month by month record for the last couple of seasons. Cause I feel like the last few seasons, not last year, of course, but like 2019 and 2018, they had re- in 2015, especially, they had really good Augusts. Like they were mm-hmm. great in the month of August and they kind of made runs and they made pushes. Um, and I, I, like I said, they, I, there's no reason for me to believe that's going to happen again. I just assuming they can't be as bad as they were in July. Um, and, you know, also, like you said, I think also it's going to be the fact that the Braves and the Phillies are severely flawed baseball teams. Um, and I don't know if they're going to make enough moves to, to fix those flaws. Um, especially if none of those teams get a reliever, which I don't know how there's been like five relievers off the board so far, and none of them have gone to Atlanta or Philly. I just that boggles my mind. But also, I think the Mets are good. They're going to make they're going to make a move. I think they're going to bring in a bat that helps them against lefties, and they're going to get a starter. So we don't have, never have to see Jared Eichhoff in a Mets uniform again. Um, and I think they're going to get another reliever that just 
add some more, a little bit more stability to that bullpen. That's, excuse me, that's been very good this year. All right, Chris, the last question. Who's DeGrom pitching against in the wildcard game or the first game of the divisional round? Because they got to win the first division. Game. First game of the divisional round. Uh, Is it hmm. Walker Bueller? Is it you, Probably Darvish? Walker Bueller. Probably, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You know what? Yeah, you Darvish. Actually, no, because you Darvish probably pitches the the wild card game. I'm gonna go Joe Musgrove. So okay. Joe Musgrove. Or actually, no, Scherzer's probably gonna pitch the wild card yeah. game. So Darvish is gonna pitch the division. Yeah, Dar- Darvish, probably Darvish. Oh God, man, this is really <laughs> our lives. Like I said in the group chat, everyone's playing for second place. If the yeah. Padres don't win the World Series, it would be kind. Of, I don't want to say it'd be a surprise because we've seen it over the years. I mean, the one that sticks in my mind is the Astros a couple years ago, where where they traded for Verlander and Darren said in the group chat, "The season's over. We're all playing for second place," and the Astros ended up losing the World Series to the mm. Nationals. I mean, but- to be fair to Darren, who the hell saw Howie Kendrick? Yeah, winning World Series or Strasburg won World Series MVP, but like Howie Kendrick, like come on. Uh, All right, Chris. Before I get you out of here, plug the Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. Uh, Sports Report with Christopher Schweitzer. It's on HudsonRiverRadio.com every Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you don't want to listen to it, then that's perfectly fine. It gets put up as a podcast usually on uh, Thursday afternoons, either Thursday or Friday. Um, You can go follow me on on uh, Twitter and Instagram at HRR sports report. That's the sports sports Twitter account uh, on there. You find that when, when I go live on Wednesdays, when podcasts go up, you can find my personal account on there. Well, as well, C Schweitzer with two R's, C S C H W E I T Z E R R. That's my Twitter account. Uh, tweet a lot of sports on there. So um, like I said, go, go download the podcast. It's on all, all the podcasting platforms, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher and Spreaker. Um, pro- I think the one from yesterday should be up now. I let me. I gotta check. I gotta check the uh, the the the. Yes, it is up. So I'm gonna plug that. And then if you want, if anybody listening likes what I said on on this show, go listen to my show. Go follow on on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow me on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's all I got to do to plug. So thank you, thank you for that, Nick. Thank you for the opportunity to come on once again. I appreciate it. I'm always down to talk about baseball. I'm sure we'll be back in less than two weeks to complain about the Mets still not hitting and the bullpen falling (laughs) apart. So this is a recurring date. This is a once every two weeks, three weeks kind of deal. Certainly, certainly, especially like you said, especially if the Mets still can't figure out how to hit a baseball. (laughs) All right, guys, I hope everybody has a good weekend. We will see you on Monday. Probably a lot of MLB trade deadline reaction stuff. Maybe a little bit of hockey news. If anything in hockey happens over the weekend, Jack Eichel, if you're listening, I'm going to get you out of there. Don't worry. I'll see you guys then.